Part 4 of the Report of the Airship Hindenburg Accident Investigation by the United States Department of Commerce. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. Part 4 The Fire Ground Log it was the practice at the naval air station to maintain a log of events in connection with the landing of the Hindenburg. The log of its last landing reveals that the first approach of the ship in landing maneuver was sighted at 6.15 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, May 6th, approximately over the officers' quarters on the station. At 6.21 p.m., the bow trail ropes were dropped on a bearing of 30 degrees from the mooring mast, first the starboard rope, followed immediately by the port rope. Ship was first observed afire at 6.25 p.m. Description of Landing The landing made on this occasion has been described as a high landing or flying mooring, a method of landing which is occasionally employed. Some qualified witnesses stated that it was normally conducted in every respect. Among these were witnesses Rosendahl and A. F. Heinen. Others indicated that the approach seemed hurried, that the ship made what seemed to be a fairly short turn and approached the mooring circle fairly rapidly. Based on the statements of other witnesses, witness Eckener expressed the view that the ship must have proceeded in a sharp turn to approach for its landing. Witness Zompt said the turns were normal. INCIDENTS BEFORE THE FIRE Before the fire broke out, the ship was being held by the bow-port trail rope, which had been coupled to the port yaw line, and a strain had been taken on this rope around the niggerhead of the ground winch. The bow-starboard trail rope had not been coupled to the ground line, but was being handled by the starboard bow landing party. At no time during the approach did the ship come closer to the mooring mast than 700 feet. The main bow cable of the ship at this time had been let out about 50 feet, but neither it nor any of the cables or ropes in the stern had reached the ground before the fire started. After the trail ropes in the bow had been dropped, the ship no longer had any forward speed. It began to move up and astern and also to swing slowly to starboard. Then a light gust was felt from port. Fluttering of Outer Cover Witness R. H. Ward, in charge of the port bow landing party, a couple of seconds before the fire, had his attention attracted by a noticeable fluttering of the outer cover on the top port side between frames 62 and 77, 
which includes cell number five. No smoke or other disturbance accompanied the flutter when he first saw it. It was a wave motion. In his opinion, the motion of the surface was not due to the slipstream or resonance effect of the propeller. It was entirely too high from the propeller. It appeared to him to be more like an action of gas inside, pushing up, as if gas was escaping. He apparently had seen this action occur in other aircraft. The ship had no perceptible forward motion the time he observed the flutter. Its engines were idling in forward rotation. The fabric did not open up when he first made the observation. The flutter was followed by a ball of flame approximately ten feet or so in diameter. Then came an explosion. On a diagram, this witness indicated that the first appearance of fire was near the top of the ship and above the point where he saw the flutter. With respect to this testimony, witness Eckener said that a leak in a gas cell, permitting the escape of 40 to 50 cubic meters of gas per second, would be sufficient to cause a flutter in the outer cover which could be observed as reported, but probably would not be enough to draw the attention of those in the control car to a loss of buoyancy aft. Witness R.W. Antrim, who was on top of the mooring mast, also stated that he saw that the fabric behind the afterport engine was very loose and fluttering. It extended rearward and upward from the afterport engine to a quarter of the way to the tail. Strain on the port trail rope. The drift of the ship to starboard, according to the mooring officer, witness Tyler, was finally checked by means of the port trail rope. This rope was hauled up taut on the winch. The starboard trail rope was being handled by the manpower of the starboard bow party. Witness Albert Stuffler, one of the ship's cooks, who was looking down from a window in the ship, stated that he saw how the landing crew came running up and how they loosened the knot of that rope and fastened it to the lower lines on the ground. Then I saw how the ropes took tension, and at the moment I felt a very strong detonation of the ship, a vibration of the ship. I did not notice any explosion. I only noticed that vibration I was speaking about before. He thought the ship was striking the mooring mast. Witness H.W. Bauer stated that after the landing rope had been fastened, he went from his position to the port window in the control car and observed the tensioning of the landing ropes. At the time of that observation, 
there was a strong shock in the control car, and his first assumption was that the landing rope had broken. Witness Max Zabel, ship's third officer, stated that he observed the bow trail ropes being dropped, that the port trail rope became rather tight. He saw the ends of the rope, which were tied together, whirl around and tighten. Immediately after this landing rope had become tight, an explosion was heard and the destruction of the ship occurred. He described the vibration that was felt in the control car as an extraordinary one. Witness Dova, ship's radio man, testified that while watching one of the landing ropes being handled by the ground crew, there suddenly was some tearing in the ship, a metallic tearing. A passenger reported, And then, as the rope was getting taut, I heard a detonation. Sensations within the ship in describing their nervous reactions at the beginning of the accident, some of the persons within the ship, in addition to such descriptions as are provided in the preceding paragraph, spoke in effect as follows. Witness Severine Klein When the ship was almost standing still, it gave a sudden jolt. Witness Xavier Meyer. First he heard detonation, then he noticed the vibration, the shock, and fell on his back. Witness Heinrich Kubis. First heard or felt an explosion approximately at the time that the ship took a sharp inclination. Witness Lentz. The sound that he heard he thought might have been a landing rope breaking. Witness Klaus Hinkelbein. The jerk and the sound of the detonation and the sight of the fire or the reflection of the fire were all simultaneous. Witness Kurt Bauer. Noticed a crackling shock which originated in the rear. Witness Wittemann. When he heard dull detonation, thud, his first idea was that a rope had parted. Witness Walter Ziegler saw how the port landing rope was hauled tight. Shortly thereafter, he heard a dull thud or detonation and a heavy shock went through the ship. Witness Kurt Schoenherr. It was a strong shock, he sensed, after hearing a rather dull detonation. Witness Zamt. His first intimation that something was out of order was a heavy push about the same shock as if the ship had been pushed to the side and the landing rope had broken. Neither prior to nor after the push did he hear a muffled explosion. 
He did not associate the push with anything that might have occurred in the after part of the ship. Appearance of Fire Numerous expert and lay witnesses on the field testified as to where they first observed the fire on the ship. And there was great diversity in this testimony for reasons that are very apparent. Among the most important of these reasons were the extreme rapidity with which the fire spread, the different positions of the witnesses with respect to the ship, the size of the ship, more than one-sixth of a mile in length and an overall height equivalent to a twelve-story building, and the fact that at the time of the fire it was still daylight. It is estimated that the interval between the first glimpse of flame and the impact of the main body of the ship with the ground was 32 seconds. The great majority of the ground witnesses who testified as to the first appearance of fire were looking at the port side of the ship. After carefully weighing the oral evidence and transcribing to a master diagram the numerous diagrams on which the ground witnesses indicated their first observation of fire, we conclude that the first open flame produced by the burning of the ship's hydrogen appeared on the top of the ship forward of the entering edge of the vertical fin over cells 4 and 5. The first open flame that was seen at that place was followed after a very brief interval by a burst of flaming hydrogen between the equator and the top of the ship. The fire spread in all directions, moving progressively forward at high velocity with a succession of mild explosions. As the stern quarter became enveloped, the ship lost buoyancy and cracked at about one quarter of the distance from the rear end. The forward part assumed a bow-up attitude the rear appearing to remain level. At the same time, the ship was settling to the ground at a moderate rate of descent. Whereas there was a definite detonation after flame was first observed on the ship, we believe that the phenomenon was initially a rapid burning or combustion, not an explosion. From the observations made, it appears that there was a quantity of free hydrogen present in the after part of the ship when the fire originated. A brief resume of the observations made within the stern of the ship shows that witness Helmut Loy, who was standing on the ladder leading up to the lower catwalk from the lower vertical fin and was looking up facing the port side of the fin, heard above him a muffled detonation and saw from the starboard side, down inside the gas cell, a bright reflection on the front bulkhead of cell number four. 
He saw no fire at first, but a bright reflection through the inside of the cell. The cell suddenly disappeared because of the heat. Then cells three and five caught fire. Now this witness said he did not see the center of the origin of the fire, but it must have been further up since he saw the reflection of fire through the cell wall material. It was the same type of explosion that one hears when using a kitchen gas range when first lighting the flame or turning it off. Witness Loy did not smell any hydrogen at the time he made these observations. Witness Hans Freund was letting out the after-mooring cable at frame 47 and had let out a few meters of it when he heard a muffled detonation. Fire was simultaneous with the explosion. He was surrounded by fire immediately. Witness Rudolf Zauter, who was stationed in the keel of the lower vertical fin, first heard a dull detonation, then saw fire in cell number four, a big fire, which he identified as a hydrogen fire. None of these witnesses in the stern of the ship felt any unusual vibration or heard any breaking of structures prior to the detonation or the sight of fire or reflection of fire. None of the other members of the crew or passengers on board the ship observed fire or reflection of fire until after feeling an unusual vibration or shock or hearing the detonation. End of part four.